Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello guys, joining you from the Borough Breakdown. Um, just a quick note from me before we start the podcast this week. Um, 149 episodes now. Uh, we just want to say a massive, massive thank you to every single person who has listened to this podcast, engaged with us, following us, or whatever you do with this podcast, so I say thank you. Um, I can't believe we're actually 149, we've got 150 next week, but I just want to ask for a small, small favour, and if, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, or if you have an iPhone, uh, I just want you to go and search for The Borough Breakdown on the podcast apps, and give us a five-star rating. Uh, we're on 142 podcast reviews worldwide, um, and look, if we can hit 150 before we hit 150 episodes, that would be absolutely amazing it helps us get charted help other borough fans find us as an established borough podcast um, and then also i just want to say thank you to everyone who's donated to our charity this year in the morton neuron disease association we're on 900 pound now and i just want to say thank you i can't believe we've raised so much so already and that money goes a long long way in helping someone with md um but that's enough from me and in this podcast we chatted about all of the survey uh, answers that you submitted to us um over 300 people uh submitted uh, an answer to our questionnaire and we broke all of it down had some really good discussion points and even had a laugh about steve bruce so i really do enjoy it so this is this is the boy breakdown podcast and it's all you must chatter in a pod this fleming is down the edge of the air fleming for craig hignett hit it higgy higgy it's the coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Emerson! Hello and welcome to the Board Breakdown podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. And in today's pod, we're doing something a little bit different. So in the last week, we created a questionnaire about when Borough's start of the season to get a flavour of what the fans' thoughts and feelings are so far this season. So if you're one of the 300 people that answered it, thank you very much for answering it. So guys, let's break it down. But first, three words, guys. How are you feeling, Tom? Enjoying the break. Enjoying the break and dinner. I couldn't possibly describe how I'm feeling in three <laughs> words. Um, I'll just say that I, I'll, what I said last week of I'm just really disappointed and disconnected and it, I echo Tom's thoughts of enjoying the break. It's been a blessing that we can just sort of disengage for a little bit. Mm, I'm going to go with three words, pina colada, please. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> nice to have a little break. Felt a little bit weird being away from you both. Um, I mean, like you seem to do a little nice podcast as well without me. So yeah, we had a good little night, didn't we? Right. It ran a bit longer than we expected, but all all in all, it was very good. Got another three words for you. Where is I? So you said you were bringing him back. Yeah. Well, I was in Torrevec. I mean, I wasn't near Madrid. So um, <laughs> for this, I'm not very happy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I did. Try and look for him. I was walking in the streets with like a photo of like just Itar and like an A4 piece of paper. Um, Were you like Leo with the AK training top on, just <laughs> hitting your chest, Charlton away? Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised Alison leave me to be honest, just because of because uh, <laughs> that was a little bit weird. But I mean, I couldn't find him, guys. Sorry, but maybe one day we can actually bring him home. But let's let's break this uh, questionnaire down then because. Uh, it was a, a very, very interesting form that we, we kind of filled out and what people filled out for us. And we've got the first question, Dana um, on, and Tom, was how are you feeling about Millsville right now? Um, and 78% of people uh, were negative with the words of disappointed, peed off, frustrated, disconnected, dis- uh, discontent and all that kind of stuff. Um, 19% was a meh, it was like, okay, could be better. And then only 2.4% were positive. Um, so, Tom, starting off with the positives, um, are you surprised to to see the figure so low? I mean, given it's so early in the season, I appreciate forms aren't that great at the moment. I'm surprised to see it's so high as 2.4%. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't think okay. there's, there's much at all to be positive about at the moment. Um, I, I mean, especially not from my from point of view and... and as we said on the on the podcast last week, it was just like it's just been kind of error after error. We're doing so badly. I just really can't think of anything to be be positive about. I mean, we're not in the relegation zone. Yeah, but <laughs> you know, we're, we're kind of uh, going to have to start relying on people getting FFP deductions around us soon. So, <laughs> I mean, two are already got it. So, I mean, <laughs> we're looking for one more, and we're going to be safe then, I guess. But we'll come down to the predictions a little bit later on because there was a, a big shift in. <clears throat> in voters and how they thought it would be at the start of the season in comparison and now but Dana with the figures that we have you know 78% negative 90% uh, men and a, a 2% of of were, were positive um, with, with the figures we have how, how can Middlesbrough as a club turn this tide over to make fans a little bit more positive than what they currently are Win games. That is really all, all there is to it, to be honest. Fans respond to results in, in winning football matches and, and we're not doing that. So I can really only say winning games. I mean, you saw after the Sheffield United victory, the people that were worn out, myself included, gave Borough the, the, their due credit. And, and that's fantastic to be able to say, right, fair enough, this week we've got it right but then as we've mentioned before it, it always just seems like one step forward two steps back with Borough and that's the most frustrating thing we haven't picked up back-to-back wins since the end of last season in April where we beat uh, Rotherham and then Sheffield Wednesday and that's really frustrating because I think with this squad we've we've this is probably the best squad that Neil Warnock has uh, has had at Borough and we're not really showing how good it can be so it's it's been really frustrating and I think that mess section a lot of people are the apathy is, is setting and, and that's mm. really probably the worst feeling that you could have as a fan. So apathy was the the most um, correlated, is it correlated, trended words of, of yeah. the uh, 
of the responses in the meh section, um, everything else like around like keywords in terms of like d- negative were stuff I probably can't really say on the podcast. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it is frustrating. I can see where people are coming from. But then I'm just going to come back to your point you said there around around taking one step forward, two steps back. So the best performance, uh, which was voted by the fans, was Sheffield United with 69%. The worst performance was, was Reading and Hull uh, with 38, 30% and 18%. Uh, respectively um so with that given that the performance against Sheffield United was so was was, was good I, I I thought we played really really well um in in moments in that game and I thought that you know Bamboo was good I thought Lee Pelletier was brilliant I thought him and Baller were the two most and two important players on the pitch for us on, on that day um but Sheffield United great result Hull absolutely awful is it fans kind of saying that well is it short-term memory from a fan perspective, or is it a case of fans have felt like they've had the stuff and knocked out of them because Sheffield, you know, was so good and you're on a high, and then you really brought down a reality with the with the whole game? Yeah, I have a bond to pick with that. I don't even think that Hull was in the top three worst performances this season. I think Derby away was a far worse performance than Hull. Okay. First half at Hull, there was a real lack of quality, but the second half, I thought we were good. And as I mentioned last week, we would. Ju- I think we were unlucky to lose, but I will reiterate that I still believe that we shouldn't have won that game and we weren't deserving of, of three points out of that game. But there might be a little bit of recency bias in that. I mean, frustrations are boiling over, of course, but for me... Reading absolutely is the worst performance, and I probably would follow that up with mm. I mean, Derby's probably third. I would say maybe, maybe Blackpool. So, do me break second. it down for you? Um, yeah. So the the highest one was of of course um, was was Reading, Redding, and yeah. then we had Hull, um, then we had Black, and also we had Coventry uh, with sixteen percent, and then Blackpool fourteen percent. Um, and then we had QPR, and then uh, we had a couple of Pete fans say Nottingham Forest away, even though we won two 0 was mm. one of the poorest performances of the season. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't great, was it? But to be fair, Forest were absolutely diabolical. They really did not have anything going for them in that game. So, mm. yeah. Well, strange. Yeah, it is interesting. I think when when you look at Boris' performances this season, I think when you look at the the shots on target per the games that we've we've lost, we've really struggled to create chances. Um, we've been pretty much nullified, and then our long balls tend to increase the more we go behind. So it, it, it's interesting to see that I think like teams are starting to just get come in and be like, right, we'll score the first, if we score the first goal, if we just keep ourselves quite narrow and compact, they're going to hoof the long, long ball into someone, and then they probably won't create the chance. And if they do create the chance, they they might not take it anyway because our perform our. Mm. XG and everything that's absolutely that, terrible isn't it that's the thing with this style of play is that when we get the opportunities we have to take them and um, it's interesting actually I was listening to a podcast with uh, Jay Shetty about funnily enough it was it was about um, knocking down doors and the opportunities and he was saying that you can knock down god knows how many doors eventually you're going to get there but it, only if you keep doing that if you keep knocking on the doors I'm taking this into a footballing context if you keep creating those chances you're going to score but with Borough it does feel like on the whole with the squad that we've got we don't create enough with it I still don't think that creativity or even attacking is our biggest problem I think it's rather defensively where there's just holes aplenty in our in our midfield and in our back line but for me, we need to start dominating games. We have the midfielders to do so. And maybe I'm in a world of delusion here and I'm acting really on belief rather than anything that I have 
actually seen in you know, from our midfielders in a Borussia, but I do feel as though our midfield could be so much better. And it goes back to what I said last week about the style of play. I feel like we should be a, a team that dominates possession, that works through the midfield, and, and we're not. And it's really unfortunate to see. Mm, so... With that, with that in mind, then obviously with the, with the midfields uh, and wanting to play more possession football, we'll come onto that towards. Well, I think we have a couple, a couple of questions yeah. time when we go into it because it's an interesting perspective. Because I, I have a feeling that fans really don't know what the one. I think it's based on. I mean, just win games. I think yeah. <laughs> just just win. That's what it comes um, down to. But Tom, why do you think Sheffield United was so successful then, and then Redden Hall was unsuccessful? Well, Sheffield United, I thought, was successful because we actually played on the floor, which I think we've been saying for, for weeks now that we just need to do that. And, you know, we, we brought Watmore back into the team, who was absolute revelation in that game. <clears throat> um, but our, our chances came from, from playing across the floor and, and not kind of hoofing it into the channels. I mean, fair, fair enough, I think one of the... I think it was the first goal that came from a kick into the channel to Bowler. Fantastic first touch. And then we played across the floor, got the goal from it. Redden didn't say that at all. Um, obviously, I think I mentioned this last week. From where I was sat in, in Redden, you could kind of see just really good view of the of the whole pitch and what exactly we were doing, just cutting out the midfield entirely. Um, we were essentially waiting for, for Crooks to win knockdowns and, and the centre mids were, were pushing up, um, as, as well as the balls into the channels, which just didn't work. Hull, um, I think that's, that's kind of... A different game to Reading because we did create the chances at Hull. You know, if if Sparrow had scored a couple of one on ones, he had. You know, we we wouldn't even be be talking about that as a as a bad performance. Um, I think we were very unlucky at Hull, but Reading was uh, a poor game, and it it just comes down to the the style of play. I think uh, when we played against Sheffield United, you could tell that it worked, but we just haven't been doing it consistently enough this season. So would you say consistency is the the, the key word? Um, I mean, consistency of playing it on the floor, but like, um, like I say, when we're kicking it into the channels, which we've seen quite a lot home and away this season, it's just not really being effective. We, we need a consistent style of play that's actually working. Mm. Well, we'll come to the qu- next question then, because it says, what do you think is the biggest reason for Borough's struggle so far this season? Um, the So the, the majority answer was Neil Warnock, 42% of respondents saying the current boss can... He can't turn it around, and he's the main reason for the the, the defeats. Um, follow, that was followed up by tactics. So appreciate this was like a a questionnaire where people would mention like certain keywords or like the manager or so we had to we had to like pull the data cor- like, like through that, which was a nightmare. Thanks for that. Sorry. Dana. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, followed by tactics. By you can tell I work with data analysis, can't you? Uh, you 20, can tell that Twenty four percent was uh, tactics, and then. Squad uh, squad depth and quality was 16.7%. So if you really want to be very critical of that, you can kind of say, for, well, 42% is Warnock, and then you put 24% on top of that with tactics because it's him and his coaching team that are yeah. creating this. Um, so that can kind of fall under Warnock, but it's a, what, what can Neil Warnock do as a manager to change things around then? If it's him as a manager and it's tactical tweaks what can he do as a coach to maybe change Borough's fortunes incorporate the midfield more I, I really believe in our midfield and I think it can give a lot more than what it's giving at the moment I know the typical Neil Warnock style of play is to get the ball up the pitch and play in the final third 
but it does take out the midfield. And for me, that is such a that should be the centerpiece of of this team. We've got some brilliant midfielders on paper now, ball carrying eights that can take us forward. Of course, you might sacrifice a little bit of of defensive stability, but we don't really have that anyway in the setup that we have. So it's very, um, I guess, fan cliche to just say go for it. But I would say just let the midfielders express themselves because, as I said, we do have some really exciting talent in midfield. And you can even put Paddy McNair in that category. I know I've been not necessarily critical per se, but I I haven't really been convinced by Paddy McNair in midfield. Mm. But when we spoke to Robbie Stockdale, who, of course, coached him at Sunderland, he said that if you play him in midfield, you will get, he would guess, double figures in goals. And then he plays there for Northern Ireland and he does well by all accounts. So we're yet to see that really at Borough, apart from there was a spell under Woodgate where he was good. And I remember writing a piece where I said that um, we're finally getting the box-to-box midfielder that we thought we were getting from Sunderland. So there's this promise in that midfield, we're just not seeing it. And games like Reading, for example, where you've got Martin Piara there who I think had about, it was barely double figures in touches. It's frustrating because he can be somebody that can create. He's got the physicality. His offensive duels are fantastic. His dribbling's fantastic. And he's he's got the physicality. He's got the creativity. Just give them an opportunity and, and, and give the midfield an opportunity in general. So with that in mind, Tom, and with Neil Warnock's history as a manager, 40 years in coaching, Dana's saying they wants to, we want to utilise midfield a little bit more. Can you see Neil Warnock changing the way he manages and coaches and sets up his team now, or do you think he will do exactly the same thing he's done for the last forty years? No, I think, I think he's probably going to do very similar to to what he's done. I think his teams have always been direct. They've relied a lot on the wingers and, and getting it directly to the wingers. I, I think the the way to get the best out of our team uh, and our midfields, particularly, is to go with more of a possession style of, of play um, and it's just I don't think it's going to happen under Warnock um, I think he he might kind of coach us to play on the floor a little bit more um, you know I think based on what what you see in the videos of the training sessions from Borough like we're always playing it across the floor we play some good stuff and then it comes to the match day and then we're just like right into the flanks uh, <laughs> but um that that's clearly what what's needed. I'm I'm sure he can probably see that. I'm sure in in all his years of experience, he can probably see that, and he's he's going to want us to play on the floor a bit more. But we're going to have a certain style of play to to get it to the wingers and and create chances that way. So I think that's that's the bit that's going to stick. It's interesting yeah. you mentioned that. Sorry, Johnny, that about the wingers because we don't really play with apart from when we've had Isaiah Jones in the team. Our wingers uh-huh. aren't traditional. <laughs> Sorry. It's catchy to be fair. But they're not like the traditional wings where they go on the outside. We've got Duncan Watmore cutting in, you've got Marcus Tavernier cutting in. So you're taking away a big part of the Neil Warnock style of player. That's why, I mean, his, at Cardiff, uh, the the long balls and at the channels were towards those wingers and, and let them have it and then let, us, let them play. And we don't really have that, do we? Because we've got wingers that want to cut in, that want to be in those sort of half spaces, the central areas. And I was thinking the other day, when you look at Marcus Tavernier's like, um, defensive st- statistics, it might be worth putting him in midfield. Um, I know that it's kind of... I don't know whether that would translate very well, just be based off stats. Mm, and I, and I, was, I was sorry, just to interject there, Dana, but I was going to say there... Um, 
for me, I don't think Tav should be. I, I've always, I know I've said previously around centre midfielder, and I think he will move, move into that. a box to box midfielder. Hmm. I think right now, given his age, I think Marcus Tavani needs as much time and space in the ball to improve his decision making to yeah. make him a top level midfielder. I suppose it is difficult as well when you're in the middle because you've got that, that pressure on you almost whereas exactly, you've got yeah. as you said you've got space it's, that it's way. It's time, you've got space, you you mm. can, you you sometimes one on one with the defender so it can improve different parts of his game and I think when we spoke about Tab previously around his him as a player and in terms of he's played so many different positions every position that he's played is going to add to add at some point to his game to make him a more well-rounded footballer. Um, now appreciate mm. he's what I think he's only 20, 22. 22. Yeah. I mean, look, he's got if he if he's lucky, he's got another fourteen game, fourteen not even fourteen, 14, games. 14, <laughs> 14, <laughs> 14 <laughs> I mean, given his given, it, given his injury record, I mean, um, <laughs> but I mean, four, he's got fourteen years to to really develop as a as a really really good footballer. And he can probably maybe get to the Premier League. I think he will. I think he'll definitely get oh, yeah. to the Premier League. I do as well, yeah. I think if, if I was Tav now, I'd be, I'd go on, you know, like, like, look, I, I, yes, I have this great record in terms of like ball retention, um, duels and tackling, tackling etc. Sounds great. Put him, if you want to put him in centre midfield, great, you can do it. He might flourish, but it'll take him a while to adjust to it. But mm-hmm. if he's on the right-hand side, you know, get on his left peg, you know, creating chances, yeah. getting Sparrowing behind. I think he's perfect for that position at the moment and then he probably will move um, maybe t- probably to a, a, probably a bigger club than what we are and someone's more financially... Burnley. Well, I mean... <laughs> be ruined. No, no disrespect. No disrespect at the moment. If I was a footballer, I'd rather play for Burnley than Middlesbrough just because of well, the state, consistent so the Premier, League, Premier League football, more money going into it. Look at Newcastle this week, you know, with the, the takeover they've had. You're going to be playing against the best. So it doesn't really matter who you play for in the Premier League. Like yeah. you, you're going to be getting the wages. You're not going to be getting relegated. At, well, the could potentially this year, but I mean, I would rather play for the Burnley than the Mills at the moment. It doesn't matter what your stadium size or what your fan base is like. End of the day, like you're playing at the top top level. Yeah, if you play in the Premier League, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. It's moving up a level. But I, I completely agree with you there about the um, as well as moving into midfield is a different perspective on the game, isn't it? Because you've got it's a it's a different angle, I suppose, mm-hmm. than when you're out wide. And and Tav is dangerous when he's cutting in onto his left foot. Um, he's had a few opportunities of, of shots on goal from there. It's just with Tav, when he gets when it gets to that split second where he needs that composure, he just loses it. And I think we saw that at Fulham where he had I think two opportunities right at the the end of the game to win it for us and he absolutely skied one of the shots over the crossbar. And and that's probably what epitomises Tav is that everything other than the sort of goals and assists tallies He's fantastic, but he does need to add the goals and assists. Work in progress. You know, yeah. like Isaiah Jones, Mark Bowler, um, to probably throw Dyke Steele and, and Dale Fry into there as well. These these young players, um, they need so much time and patience because they don't really fulfil the potential to what they're 29, 30, you know, when you're hitting your prime now. Mm. Um so like they're gonna these are gonna make mistakes and I think we sometimes can get called out on, on the pod, like, you know, by people saying, oh, we're, we're too negative, we're expecting everything from the players. I think we're very, very patient in that front because we kind of understand that process. No one is ever the, the finished article at 21 22 unless you're a genetic freak <laughs> like Messi or Mbappe or, like, you know, well, we took Ronaldo when he was, what, 25, 26 to really come into his prime. And 
So it, it it takes time, I think, and patience as well. And I don't think we're overly critical of them. I just think we just want a bit of consistency, but we're in the most inconsistent league in the world. And the teams that are consistent get promoted. Or yep, unless you're consistently true. bad, you get really good. Um, <laughs> but in, in terms of the, the styles and, and everything like that, because it, it, it's a nice point, this because when we speak about Tav and the likes of Spence, if he was, was to come back, Coulson, if he was coming back, and then you've got the you know the players like Marcus Brown and stuff like that. It'd be interesting to see what style would suit them probably the best. But when we asked you guys the question on on what what style of football you would like to see Millsborough play, um, we had a lot of varied answers. I mean, 32% of the answers, I couldn't really make them, uh, make them up because they were so like... Four four two. I just want us to win. Um, so like some of those like comments were quite hard to use. Uh, but I'll give you the 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 top three and well top three and four. So possession style was top after that from with twenty five percent. Twenty three percent was a very very all out offensive strategy, which I mean can tell people play a lot of FIFA. Um, and then the next Shit. one is 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 more of like a, a gen press, um, where you tend to see that with like more of like a. Uh, you know, Klopp sides. I think when people say all that attack, I think they're looking to try and play a Bielsa ball, um, where mm. it is very, very press for ninety minutes, very unique style, and I don't think it's much longevity in it. Um, to be honest, I think it's a very, very unique to a specific manager in Bielsa rather than a general style. Um, and then interestingly, one point seven percent were happy with the current style of of long ball in the channels. Um, so Tom, a clear divide uh, from fans regarding styles. So. Is it a case of as long as Borough get pos- more positive results than negative results, people are going to go home happy? I, th- I think that's the case, yeah. Um, I mean, personally, from from that, I'd prefer possession. But we saw under Karanka and the promotion side and everything like that, there were people who weren't a fan of that possession style. There were people who were saying, oh, we're passing back and sideways and stuff like that. But we were still winning most weeks and they were going home happy. So I think as long as you do find a style that works, um, it, it is going to be be fine. Like if if we were to win the league with long balls into the channel, I don't think people would mind as much. But it's just it's clearly not effective. Hmm. Um, so we need a, a change in style for sure. Um, and as as long as we are winning, I'm, I'm sure people would be all right with that. You might have a few grumbles about the the style and. You know, if, if a player dares to pass it backwards at the riverside, you might kind of hear some uh, some grumblings there. But we're just playing it towards the tees because we can't pass it back. <laughs> but you know, as long as we're winning, like I don't think people would be would be that bothered. Turner, do you agree? Um, I don't know because whenever this sort of type of question comes up, I think about the Tony Pulis era and I mean we were we were winning games but there was clear discontent underneath the surface of the style of play so I think it's dependent on the manager because if you don't Mm -hmm. buy into the manager as a as a as a manager or as just a person then I think your your patience is going to run incredibly thin even even when you're maybe picking up results there's still going to be that snap of well if we do lose we're going to go well in on the criticism so mm. I don't know I think it, I think I do think it's dependent dependent sorry on on the thoughts and feelings and the relatability uh, towards the manager Yeah it, it it I think does it come down to the manager then is it is it is it him as a person because you could probably play whatever style you wanted, really. Um, and 
if you got if you won one nil every week, but you played if you had like two percent possession and you scored off that two percent possession, <laughs> like would you be happy with that? Because you technically won you've won the league, you've kept a million clean sheets. Um, you know you you haven't you haven't conceded a goal. You know you score one goal every week. You technically win the football match. You know you've got the maximum points ever. Are you happy? No. I well, not, I mean. I yeah, I mean, you should be if you've got maximum points, but there will always be in the back of your mind that under surface level criticism almost mm. of the style of play that will, of course, rear its head when the results don't go so well. But to answer the, the, the first part of your question of um, is it about the manager, I do think that the next manager of Borough needs to have some sort of outside affiliation. Well, not outside affiliation, but somebody that can come in and can relate to the area and the values of the people and the values of the town because that's what Karanka did. He often linked it to the Basque country and, and growing up there. And I know Tony Pillis did as well. But well I mean, you, you, you get a pint of milk from next door. <laughs> that d- to, be, to be fair, though, do you know, I think that's a very cliche manager thing to do because Karanka, basket, Basque country, basket. Uh, the basket, and he said basket then. Um, you know, Tony Pillis reminds me of Wales. Uh, Neil Warnock, he said, well, I know the area really well because of his time at Hartlepool. I mean, don't you think every... Fa- every Might like- be in the manager's script for when the start. Just yeah. like, it's definitely make sure in Pulis's. <laughs> make no, sure you say this. I think it was it was different with Tony Pulis because I, ju- I just... That press conference, the whole milk anecdote, just felt like he was talking down the... I don't know, the almost the bad parts of Borough, the, oh, we're underprivileged, this, that and the other. And... With Karanka, because he's a, an outsider coming in, you know, not even from the country, never mind the area, it felt like he genuinely felt it and that he got it and he created this togetherness. And I'm not saying that a manager um, has to sort of relate to the fans and vice versa in order for success, but I do think it goes a long way because you saw with Gary Monk, everybody seemed to deem him a robot and I swear he, he definitely wasn't a human because the, the amount of sort of PR cliche sound bites that were coming out of his press conferences were unbelievable but they just did not get him and I think he didn't get us so there's immediately that disconnect there mm. and with Karanka he created this connection, this community and yeah it is cliche but I do think that and this isn't just exclusive to Borough, but I think that it definitely goes a long way in people buying into an identity and a project and something to really be proud of. Yeah, it's why on the piece I wrote around like Rebuild 5.0, like <laughs> fans are probably one of the key elements of a, a project going really well because, yeah, you can have Gibson and the head of football and Kieran Scott and the manager all singing from the same hymn sheet. The players can sing it, but if the fans aren't, willing to give it a chance or patience and the people can say oh well yeah we'll give him Warnock a chance well it, Neil Warnock's had 70 games to prove it he's got a worse loss rate than we'll get um, and his his football the previous weeks hasn't been good so I mean it's it's open to Christen mm. um, but if the fans aren't officially and really thoroughly bought into a project I don't think you, it can get these things off the ground but I mean fair play to Crank though I remember when he used to pick grapes and Pally Park and make wine so <laughs> Um. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a spectacle. Uh, to be fair, I think with Karanga, it was it was to do with the standards that he had as well. Like I remember mm. reading in the Gazette quite a lot about it. Like he made the club uh, made made the team sorry uh, clean up any rubbish after some of the friendly matches in Spain. Uh, he used to put put together like really for a for a data packs before mm. each match and and really study them. 
even like I'm, I'm kind of go for a personal story here, but I was doing some work experience at Real Radio during his second uh, second game, and I'm dating myself there because Real Radio no longer exists. So this is how long ago I was working in journalism, <laughs> but. It was his. Uh, I went there for his press conference, and he literally he held the door open for like the journalists on the way in, and like, was smiling at him and stuff. And like that type of thing, it, it goes a long way with building a connection. Like even. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot; we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you're building it with the journalists or, or building it with the fans and, and you can kind of see the the standards that he has, but you look at, like, say, Strachan, a couple of managers before him, you'd have never got that from, from him. Oh, I mean, Strachan hated everyone, though, didn't he? <laughs> I mean, the players, I used to see the players and Kalinkas and all sorts. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I get what you mean there, Thomas. It comes down to principles, values, and stuff like that. And So I was listening to a podcast when I was away. Um, it was high performance, actually, funny enough. Um, and Damien Hughes, who, if you haven't read any of his work, it's actually, it's really, really good. It's like the Barcelona way. This is another John It's saying, like, it's it was saying, it's a story around like Gregor Townsend from the Scottish rugby manager, and it was they got getting battered by England at half time, and he just rather than like shout at his players and say how useless they are, and um, basically like you know exactly what Neil Warnock's doing right now, essentially, um, he just he didn't say anything. He just said, right, look look at the values we bring to the table as a club, what the fan base, what what they want. Bring those values and we can go away from this game happy. And then they, they actually end up drawing the game like 38-38, I think it was at the end. But what it comes down to what you were saying there, Tom, is like 
if a manager sets the the standard and the really high standards from top to bottom, then you tend to see that flood out to the fans as well um, and that community and more of like a, a culture, a tribe. That's where you'll tend to see these type of things uh, like flourish, really. God, you can tell I did everything on consumer behavior, kind of, and like <laughs> psychology. Um, but, but yeah, you can really see that and like that, that real principle and high value. I think Borough do need to really raise the bar as high as I possibly can. And none of the and none of this blame everything else but ourselves. I think that is the worst thing a manager can do. Sometimes, you know, he's he's protecting his players, but I think sometimes if if things aren't going well, accountability first, and yeah. then we move from there. And I don't Front think because I think Karanka yeah. did do that at times. I mean, Strachan used to say that he used to get pissed and want to <laughs> neck himself at one point. Yeah. Um, but like with Warnock, I think it's it's anything but anything but him isn't it really? it is interesting I think that's some, why fans get pissed off yeah somebody threaded all the Warnock excuses and not one of them oh, was about yeah. him and there's been many times where I've thought oh Warnock's tactics have potentially cost us the game there and there's, n- there's I wouldn't say there's nothing about it I'm sure if you look back to previous press conferences post-match press conferences there will be something we're very sort of uh, <laughs> the lens is very focused on Warnock's deflecting but what I will sort of add on to what I was saying about the community is that Neil Warnock, a lot of people were with him at, at, at one point, but Tony Pulis seems to have created this distrust of what managers say because Pulis really played the narrative of hoodwinking the fans, I believe, and that he said things to sort of woo them, which was not necessarily what he was thinking or, or anything like that. He tried to get them on side rather not honestly, but dishonestly, I think. Um, and maybe I'm looking into that a little bit too much, yeah. but I think there's a few people that also agree with that. And there's that trigger, really, of of uh, what Warnock says as well, where they're not fully bought into it because they just don't really trust it from the Pulis era as well. So, yeah, yeah there's the, there's what they say and then the, the sub-narrative, isn't there? So the next question we had, actually, was um, can Neil Warnock turn it around and are you happy with the manager I've put to him one... 80% aren't confident that you can turn it around. Um, but then also when asking, are you happy with Neil Warnock in charge? 63% said no. 22% were meh, um, is what it is. The apathy again. Um, and then 13% were yes. Um, so quite similar statistics, really. So what you were saying there, then around a lot of people were on board with Neil Warnock. And our, look, we were all we were, we, yeah, we were we on the were. train. I mean, Horny for Warnie was like, you know, like... <laughs> We were, we were we were the drivers of that, but like, yeah. well, so what's changed then? Why do you think there's there's fans have slowly kind of just moved away from that the the, the Warnock wheel? I think because there's been a switch in dynamic of when he came in, we were our primary ob- objective was to avoid relegation. He did that, and then automatically you're expecting progress. And last season, a lot of frustrations were bubbling under the surface towards the end of the campaign, weren't there, when he played Brit when he was halfway out. Well, he pretty much was out the door. And then there was a certain reluctance to play the youngsters. And then he played... Didn't he play Brit or Fletcher? And then we never saw them again. It was that random game where we were looking at the team sheet and we're like, well, what's the point in playing them? Because they're not going to be here. You may as well give someone else an opportunity. Um, whilst Puachu Rat Poms sat on the bench. Um, so definitely there, there was frustrations last season and they've because we've 
effectively picked up from where we left off last season, um, that has reached the surface now. So there's a dynamic change in our ambitions. Our initial ambition when he came in was to stay up. We did that. Fantastic. Now you want to push on. And I don't really see... I'm with that 80% that doesn't think that Neil Warnock can change things around because we want to see progress. And what we've seen this season, there's been enough games, 11 games, 12 if you count the, the, the Blackpool game and the Cup. Just seems like we've stagnated under mm. him. Do you agree, Tom? Is that why we've seen that decline? Yeah, I, I think it's action? entirely tied into ambitions. Like Dana said, when, when he first came in, the objective was to stay up. He accomplished that. Had instant success and got quite a lot of people behind him for that. The next season, I would say that we did progress. Um, I think that's just proven from where we finished in the table, albeit it was a, a very disappointing second half of the season. And then second half of the season, you know, he, he's going on going, telling Johnny Housen, you're going to enjoy next season and like our, <laughs> our sights are much higher and stuff like that. So as a fan, listen to that, you would expect progress this season which mm. just hasn't happened um like dan said we, we've picked up where we left off essentially we i thought the game against bristol city and and fulham as well was quite promising um you know fulham we looked defensively sound bristol city we, we looked all right you know um we had people like uh you know crocs and, and uche who mm-hmm. are such a difference to britain fletcher last year you could see uche is absolutely given everything uh crooks was was looking good and then since then it's just it's been pretty dire uh to be honest and i think i said last week like our, our problems lie in in defense when warnock came in that was one of the one of the positives he, he did make was quite structurally sound at the back and now it just seems like we're not good at defending uh or creating chances. I appreciate that has changed in the last couple of games, but the defence hasn't. Mm. Um, so I can see why people are, are kind of falling off now because our ambition this year should have been much higher and, and we're not looking like we're going to get anywhere near that. And instead of progress, we look like we're going to go backwards this season. So do you think that with that in mind then, because <coughs> you said quite, quite a lot of me there, so I'm trying, I was trying to piece it together, but do you think... Neil Warnock is a victim of his own success then, or in his own comments, because he said to Howison last year that you're going to enjoy this season. Statistically, uh, Neil Warnock does very, very well in the second and third season. He gets teams up. So is that why that negativity started to spout? Because the expectation is, is so high right now, because we people want to get promoted. I think it is, and, and he's the one who's got the expectations that high. Um, mm. Obviously, I made my prediction at the start of the year, kind of based on, on his comments and, and some of the signings we were making. thought, all right, we've we've built a team, which is his now. He should be happy with that, um, and, and, and we should be going for, for the target he's set, and mm. we're just not anywhere near it. Yeah, well, 13%... Who want him to stay? Uh, pretty much all said when they were given the the the, the opportunity. They said his experience will turn things around. Um, he just needs more time. The squad's still gelling. So, Tom, do you think that we sh- we should give him time then? Because history can teach us that he has got teams out of the division. Yes, it's a slow start, but he he can turn it around if it, if it does matter. I think if if we give him more time, it has to be a very limited time period. Um, Against Peterborough next week, that has to be a much changed 
uh, display from the team um, and, and we need to see some positives from that and we need to carry that into future games as well. We can't be beating Peterborough comfortably and then and then losing our next one uh, yeah. as has been the pattern since you know ever, ever since the season started. Um, I think we've got another international break in a month. That's probably the time to judge it, I'd say. Um, I know a few weeks ago I kind of said it was this one. Um, <laughs> probably acting a little bit too emotionally there. Absolutely fuming after some of the performances that we had. But um, no, I, think, I think if you're looking at it kind of over the course of a whole season, uh, wanting to make progress and, and potentially wanting to to bring a new manager in to help with that progress, they need the time to do it. Um and you know November's probably a, a good time to switch if if we're not seeing signs that things are improving. Yeah, I I agree with that. But so like with the Peterborough game, then you said we're there. That's a massive game. Given that Borough have got a history of sacking managers, and we said it on on a previous podcast around like the 18th to the 21st, we've sacked what Mowbray, Strachan, Southgate, and I'm missing one. I'm missing one. I think that was it for recent history because Karanka went March, Monk went December. Uh, I'll have to look at my podcast notes, um, but we'll we'll put the tweet out anyway. Um, but yeah, given that Borough got a history of second manager between 18th and 21st, Borough player Peterborough on the 16th of October, history repeats itself, of course. Is that a massive game for him? Do we have to win, really? Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, um, you know, just based on... Um that that COVID season where you know we had the the massive break and then would get had one game after the break and mm-hmm. got sacked, um, it wouldn't surprise me if we just had this international break. We have one game back and then Warnock's gone. Um, but I, I, I do think is it is a big game and obviously we've got Barnsley on the Tuesday as well, which is the twentieth, right before second day. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it, you know it, it could uh, potentially be uh, a big couple of games and. Um, it always kind of makes me think that about the that time period always being when we're sacking managers. I wonder if it's some kind of like internal review around that time, and they're just like right, if we're way off the pace by twenty first of October, mm. then it's the time to switch. I think it's it's interesting. Like I'd love to to know that, but I don't know. It's just yeah. interesting to to look at, isn't it? Which is so predictable, uh, Dana. We know the championship look it can turn its head in a matter of games. Tom said there we've got Peterborough and Barnsley, six points from six. Uh, like out of the possible six could really change the way that the table looks. But if you were Steve Gibson, how many games are you thinking before you would make the change? What would you have to see if you're the chairman now to really change things? I mean, if you're chairman now, you probably have got rid of him by now. But I mean, <laughs> if, if, I was, if you were yeah. Gibson, you know, he does give the manager as much opportunity as he can. But what would you do? Yeah, I mean, Tom mentioned there about the, well, this current international break. I still think that his future should have been, there should have been some sort of uh, resolution with his future, uh, this uh, international window. But you're probably looking at November at the latest because you don't really want to be in a situation where the manager's coming in and it's panic stations trying to sort out his options and then going into the January transfer window not knowing what is needed and then potentially having a situation where you've got the people above making the transfer decisions with barely any input from the manager. I mean, I don't think that that would happen, but we have seen in the past where there's been players brought in that don't necessarily suit the style of play of the manager I'm thinking Jordan Rhodes and I talk Ranga for example when he wanted Ross McCormack so you don't want that situation but I don't know what they will be thinking behind the scenes because Mm. they're 
they're a little bit outside of the bubble that that we're in. Of course, they're more seen invested because Steve Gibson's a fan, but he, I reckon, he'll be sort of relaxed about it, and um, he's he probably won't be panicking. Yeah, well, I, you, I you're think. not going to get relegated, are you? Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, don't say that. Touchwood. Touchwood. <laughs> um, well, look, it doesn't look like we'll, we'll get relegated, but I can I can definitely see why Gibson would be relaxed about it. You know, he got an experienced head there. Like, he's, I mean, he knows the league inside out, so you're going to be in and around it. But when we ask the Borough fans themselves um, around the predictions in the poll, right, Mills, we might finish this season, they've definitely changed. So, like, 71% of our respondents are now settling for 10th to 16th. Um, there is some people I think we will get relegated, but um, oh god, uh, Tom, mid table, you said uh, is now like the you know the, the the bit where fans want. You said you want a promotion. Has your cha- has your feelings changed at all? Do you think that mid table is now the most realistic goal Bora can probably achieve? Yeah, I think mid to kind of lower upper table. Uh, you know, in in between like seventh yeah. and tenth. I think my best case scenario at the moment is we are the team that comes out of absolutely nowhere to finish sixth. Um, <laughs> but um, I mean that that'd be a positive because they tend, tend to do all right in the playoffs and yeah. ride away from momentum. But yeah, um, really disappointed with the the start of the season again. Going off, you know what what we said all the way leading up to this season um, and, and what should have been the target. Um, yeah, I think that's probably around best case scenario for us now hmm. well on average if you look at Middlesbrough's data for like the last 10 year, 10 11 years in the championship obviously by the when we won the Premier League we average 11th um at the end of <laughs> and like in terms of you know like we love a 1-1 one, one, don't we we do love yeah because statistically our games would be 1-1 one, one, <laughs> um if we were to do an average goal every season and different <laughs> see I love the data don't I um well yeah well so you're only three points off 11th so I mean we're just below our current Average as a, as a club, so Dan, I think you said eighth, didn't you? I, th- I, th- I said I said seventh because I checked it earlier on. I said seventh in a final day drama where Bora miss out. Okay, so are you going to follow the crowd now and say mid table? Because I think we both were just like mid table ish. Tom was yeah. really keen on promotion. Tom was definitely the most optimistic one, wasn't he? I want <laughs> us to win everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. I would say sort of based off this, based off the start of the season, I just think there's so many teams that are, are, are better equipped than us. I mean, you see Stoke, I mean, Coventry, they're doing fantastically well as well. I just can't, I mean, Blackburn, they've got Broughton Diaz, who seems to be a revelation this season. Um, now that he's Chilean, but there's just so many better teams than us. I mean, I can't remember the league table as it stands. I haven't really looked at it, to be honest. But... The teams that are above us, a lot of them, are just better off than us. I think they're better in terms of their collective quality. They might not have individuals on paper that are better than ours. And that, this isn't me saying that we've got the best team in the league, but I certainly think that we've got a good squad. Um, but yeah, I can't really see us. I, I said I, I can see us being in and around the top six, and I did think that we'd start this season well and then derail and tail off towards the latter half like we did last season. But it's been... Not the opposite, because obviously we, I'm not looking at this from the end of the season perspective, but we definitely haven't started the season well. And, and, and that's a surprise to me because I did expect us to. Mm. So how do you think we can get to the objective that we want to? Then Is, is it the only change? We'll, well, the only change we can make is the, probably the manager that could do that for us? Or do you think we can do something else to maybe get there? 
Well, I mean, we we we've all been quite vocal about how our thoughts about Neil Warnock's future, and you see Forrest now under Steve Cooper, they've had that new manager bounce, and that might just be what we need, to be honest. Um, a, a bit of a change, well, a big change that is the the first falling domino of of more change and better change, and I will reiterate, I I just can't see Borough improving under Warnock and. I feel like we have hit a dead end. So for me, change of manager would probably be beneficial that maybe suits this team more and this squad more and the options that we have. But ugh, I can't see one up being sacked, if I'm being mm. honest. All the way through. Yeah, I, unless it's very bad in that we're just above the relegation zone in maybe January or something. I can't really see it. Okay, Tom? I think if... We're going to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt. Him and the coaching team could kind of sit down, look at the style of play, look at what's going wrong and, and coach that into the players and, and like coaches to actually be better. Failing that, because I don't feel like that's going to happen, I think it is going to be like a fresh pair of eyes, new ideas on the team, uh, someone who's going to utilise the, the midfield kind of manager change you know what it sort of feels like to me it's like we're moving forwards but with our face screwed on backwards because we're walking backwards no we're walking forwards but we're looking backwards so you've got Neil Warnock there that he's not gonna I I mean realistically he's probably not gonna stay beyond this season so you've got a manager there that there's there's a definite crossover in the signings that have been brought in the Lisa Leakers Pierre Osparaz that don't appear to be on paper anyway Warnock signings. You've got the Matt Crooks, the Ute Shakespeare's, who Sol Bamba, Lee Peltier. They're definitely Warnock signings. You cannot dispute that. But it does feel as though we're sort of stuck in this situation, a bit of a crossroads, really, what I mentioned on the outro of last week's podcast, where we've got Warnock, and this is probably going to be his final season in management. I know he said that back in 2009, but still, I think realistically, it's going to be going to be his final season. And you don't... I, I guess Steve Gibson, in an ideal world, probably doesn't want to cut that swan song off. Rainy, um, you know his final season in management. So, yeah, it does feel like we 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 are walking forwards with our face on backwards, mm. and the face being Warnock. He's a sentimental man, this Steve Gibson. Um, <laughs> well, let's let's talk about managers then, because one of the questions was if Neil Warnock was to be replaced, who would like to see in the hot seat? Um, right at the top was Eddie Howe uh, with thirty three percent of the vote. Then Wilder, um, not Deontay Wilder, Chris Wilder. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I mean, John A. Wilder needs something to do now. Uh, <laughs> boxing joke, you know. Um, uh, with 10.9% of the vote, uh, former Chelsea boss Frank Lampard uh, was third, then Alex Neal, and then some notable mentions for former boss Aitor Karanka. Ryan Law, um, who is currently at Plymouth and doing very, very well there. Um, speaking to one of the guys who supports Plymouth at work, and he's petrified of, of them losing him. Uh, so... We've also got um, Roy Keane on, on there. <laughs> that one um, was and, interesting. And, and Graham Souness as assistant. Um, <laughs> Michael Richards as yeah. assistant. <laughs> 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 then we've got Isco, who has um, just been sacked from Watford. And then a lovely, notable mention. I had to check this whole person's, like, uh, <laughs> well, three people. <laughs> three people, said three Steve Three people. Bruce. Oh, you've ruined oh, it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so Steve Bruce had three votes and there were very respectable answers throughout and there were, one of them was like I want to change the style but I want Steve Bruce in charge and I was like what? Uh, so if we roll our sleeves up a lot we'll get Steve Bruce uh, <laughs> absolutely ruined that 
Sorry. Cut that out, was... Steve Agnew Dream Team. <laughs> he was really trying to drum up that suspense there, wasn't he? And I just swooped in. I was the David Nugent on the goal line stealing his glory there. <laughs> Do you know what it's like, John? Have you seen uh, <laughs> the other guys, Tom, where goes, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> the Austrian man with a dream. Arnold Schwarzenegger. You've ruined this. You've ruined the story. <laughs> This is me sat here not knowing what you're so about. <laughs> you need watch the other guys. It's so good. Uh, but realistically, right, <laughs> can you see for uh, getting Eddie Howe or Frank Lampard as boss or even Steve Bruce? Uh, <laughs> Tom, do you want to go first? Come on, you cracking up here. Bruce? <laughs> Steve uh, Bruce? Right, Eddie Howe, I don't think we have any chance. But I'd be absolutely blown away if we got Eddie Howe. Like, Bruce. I'm going to turn his mic off. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think we've got any, any, uh, any chance you know of Eddie Howe. Like, sorry, you know what it feels like? You know that X Factor episode where Louis and Sharon are absolutely cracking up and Simon tells them to get out of the room and then Sharon whacks her face off the door? <laughs> Steve Bruce. <laughs> What's in your coffee cup? Are you, are you pissed? Oh, I wish I was. <laughs> I don't know why, I just probably got me. Sorry. <sighs> Let's hope those three people aren't listening to this. Fucking Steve Bruce. Carry on, Tom, hold the fart, right. please. <laughs> Uh, Deontay Wilder number two right we're not I, I don't think I'd like to see him as, as Borough manager obviously I'm talking about Chris Wilder there not Deontay but wouldn't want to see either of them as Borough manager um, interesting <laughs> Lampard that'd be an interesting one um, I feel like he does I mean, well with a young squad that's so realistic though really mm, but I think really? he's going, I think he's going to be holding out for a a Premier League slash top tier job. look at that, right? He's favourite. <clears throat> job at the minute. Him and Southgate, which is odd. Gerard, isn't it? Gerard, no. Oh, God. God they're competing, not just like the, like no, the players, it's... but now managers. Yeah, jobs. of course. I look at Frank Lampard, <laughs> though. <laughs> I look at Frank Lampard, though. And it obviously, he got Derby to the playoffs, didn't he? He did. But then what else has he done? Like, what else? He... As I mentioned before, when, when I mentioned... Frank Lampard is a name that has been mentioned. I said that he's probably unrealistic off the back of his name, not off the back of what he's done um, in management. Of course, fantastic player, glittering career. But as a manager, playoff place and then out of his depth at Chelsea. FA Cup finalist, um, got the top four without spending a penny. I would expect that with that squad. He took Chelsea backwards after he had spent a penny, didn't he? He did, technically, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, look at no, he's doing an absolutely fantastic job, but I mean, I can't see Lampard dropping back down now after managing like such an, a prestige club in Chelsea. Mm. In compar- you wouldn't go from Chelsea to Borough, would you? It would you? be quite the career jump. Like Mendy I mean, going from Barcelona to Raven- Borough. Ravanelli scored a Champions League yeah. winning goal and then mm. signed for Middlesbrough. <laughs> You're saying you want Ravanelli as our next manager? He's uh, definitely going to put his name in the ring for it. Oh, absolutely. He's all, he, he always like creeps up, doesn't he? Like, like, pops up at one point, doesn't he, Ravanelli? It does. Like, I'd love to manage Middlesbrough one day. Go on, Tom. Uh, number four was Alex Neal. And to be honest, he's probably a manager I've always thought, you know, like I'd like to see him managing us at one point. I thought he did a good job with Norwich. And good job at Preston too. Yeah, mm. no on budget at point, all. Yeah. I, I, I thought he made made both teams kind of very solid and and hard to beat, um, but also kind of good going forwards. Um, I wouldn't mind 
uh, seeing him as, as Borough manager, um, and then in the notable mentions, Ryan Law is obviously mentioned quite a lot on the on the podcast. Um, Timing. <laughs> I've I've heard a couple of people at work this week actually talking about Ryan Law, and similar to what you've said, they've got me to support Plymouth, who absolutely don't want him to leave. Um, I'm not as familiar uh, with his work as, as that, but I'll probably look into it a bit more. As do uh... play some really good stuff, Plymouth, like really, really good. Um, <clears throat> three, five, two attacking fullbacks um, or wing backs. So I mean, when you look at the likes of, it'd be hilarious that we've got rid of Spence now, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and boy, he would have been probably perfect in that position. Mm-hmm. But um, and then then looking at the other ones, uh, Karanga. I mean. I'd love to see it if it was like the same as when he first came in, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think he's burned his bridges. Nope. Roy Keane would be hilarious, especially if, like we say, we had sooner some Michael Richards as his assistant, but also <laughs> never going to happen. Uh, Cisco, don't know. Uh, I mean, he was what man- Wofford manager for uh, however long, two, ten, three, ten, ten games or whatever. When when Wofford usually sack the managers, um, and um, <laughs> obviously Steve Bruce, no chance. <laughs> No. no chance, but next thing you know, he's our manager. Oh, if he you is, watch, honestly. it'll happen. <laughs> the Emma Marcus. <laughs> yeah. Or, or Pardew. I can read, honestly, I Gary can Gary just... Megson. Yeah. Gary Megson. I wonder what Alan Kirby's doing. I was going to say, I wonder what Gary Megson's doing nowadays. I was going to say, it was the other one from, from Bolton. It was Sammy Lee, I'm thinking of. Sammy Absolutely Lee. Absolutely not. Fat <laughs> Sam, you know, he's out, with, he's out of work at the minute. No. I mean... <laughs> I mean, we're going down the route anywhere, really, aren't we? I mean, Tony Pulis and Neil Warnock back to back. Collection of the hardest Brexit oh. managers you can get. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're going down that that uh, spiral now. But Dan, who, who would you like to see? Well, you know Ryan who it is. It's Ryan, though. Yeah, Steve top, Bruce. Top. <laughs> no, he's he's top of League One at the moment with Plymouth. Uh, he seems to have sorted their defence out because last season they were a very attack-minded team, but their defence was incredibly leaky. But I just feel like he links well to the style of play that Borough fans want, that front-foot action, letting the players express themselves. Um, the defenders right to the the forwards as well. <clears throat> and I think he's due a championship move after this season. If he progresses Plymouth how he is at the moment and he keeps up this fantastic start, He's definitely going to be a championship manager very, very soon. And, and and I just feel like he's one of those managers that we really should be looking at because I know that there's a difference in what we play currently in, in a sort of um, <clears throat> 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1 uh, and Ryan Law plays with wing-backs. But why not transition over to wing-backs? We mm. had our best spell last season and our best success with wing-backs and I appreciate that since we brought in wingers but hey why not why not go bold and, and go with a manager that plays a, a different formation and a different style yes it's going to take time but he's bought into this uh identity in a community and and everyone's on the same page at Plymouth it seems and I know we played them pre-season I think they, they look they look good in that game sorry and they, they seem to be a very forward-thinking, progressive club. Even and I know this sounds ridiculous, but they were trialing a new match day service, streaming service for that borough friendly, weren't they? And I just think that looking into Plymouth and I was looking at the comments of their YouTube um, highlight videos the other day. It just seems like everyone's on the same page, and and that is 
invaluable, really, to to a long-term direction, which is what Borough need. Plus, he's getting the results as well. Yeah, I mean, that really does help. But there is some notable mention as well, which I didn't mention, but Hasselbank got some uh, a couple of mentions there. Rap Michael Reisiger. Um, also, Daniel Farker, if he was to leave... Um, <laughs> Uh, John John Terry um, oh, is God, one. No, absolutely not. Um, Hans Wolf is one. Um, I'm just, I'm trying to scroll through because there's there's quite a lot of others um, <coughs> who who got like one vote, but it probably wasn't worth putting in the in the mixer. Um, Diego <laughs> Martinez, um, Jordy Morris, anyone? No. Okay. That would be an in- that would be an interesting one. But Work with young- where is he? He's not caught up anywhere. Has he not? Nope. He was with Lampard, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. At and, Chelsea. And then there's yeah. another one where bound uh, Gareth Ainsworth as well. Um, but in terms of managers, God, you could pick anyone, I think. Obviously, my personal preference, Mark Robbins at Coventry. But if I wasn't to get him, I would probably go Alex Neal. Um, it's probably next You're board. not aboard the Ryan Lowe hype train. I am, but I just think I don't think we'd be able to get him. Like, why would you? True, yeah, it is true. Uh, if Plymouth don't get promoted, I mean, he surely is due a championship move. He did incredibly well with Berry. I think he got them promoted. Um, and he's doing really well with Plymouth as well. And funnily enough, Neil Warnock was at the Plymouth game the other day. I mean, I'm not going to look into that because, of course, he's based down Cornwall, isn't he? But hopefully he'll be looking at Ryan Law's style of play and just giving Kieran Scott a nudge and being like, yeah, there we go. Sorry, Ryan, you're not playing enough long balls there. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, uh, that's it. So thank you very much uh, for joining me again. Uh, it was nice for us to... All be together as a happy family once again. Um, and everyone, and I want to say thank you to everyone who filled in the survey and has been listening to this podcast. We're one podcast away from 150 episodes. So thank you very much for listening to us and always engaged with us. So this has been the Bora Breakdown podcast, and that was all your match day chatter in a pod of the Bora Breakdown.